What's up, everybody? Oh. That's not Whoa. your line. I didn't know where to go from there. <laughs> Long time listener, <laughs> we, we first time we... commenter, <laughs> so on and so forth. It's got a thing about the Microsoft thing, Price. Long, okay. Long time first time how host. About, how about I? I'll host this week. Okay. okay. Maybe I should host this week. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop, episode 594. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. Hello, I'm back. Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Justin Davis. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about all the uh, stuff Ubisoft announced today at its latest Ubisoft Forward. We're going to talk about what we've been playing, which is Tony Hawk for me, and I assume is Lord of the Rings online for Justin. (laughs) Yeah, you assume correctly. What were you saying something, Sam? I play Tony Hawk also. Surprise. Cool. Perfect. But first, what a week it has been for Xbox. Uh, they finally announced the Xbox Series S, and we finally, finally, finally know the release date and price for both consoles. November 10th is when the next generation of Xbox kicks off. Series X, $500. Series S, $300 a full $200 cheaper. It's digital only and actually doesn't seem like it's that much less powerful. Uh, it's basically uh, what they're leading into. For, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not 4K. It's 1440p that they're leaning into with the Series S. That's correct? correct. Yes. But it can okay. scale to 4K on your 4K TV and it plays media in 4K. Wow. Just not video games. So are you guys surprised at the uh, the $200 price difference uh, between these two consoles? It makes the Series S really, really impressive and tempting. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was something that that many, you know, sort of really hardcore, really engaged gamers were like that super interested in. But once they saw the price and the specs, I've seen a lot of people sort of be like, well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. considering the times, it's, um, it's well-suited to, mm-hmm. to kind of like navigate for both kind of gamers' uh, needs. If you want the upscale, absolutely, you know, highest priced edition, sure that there, that's an option. But at the same time, if you're on a little bit more of a budget, seems super smart, especially just, you know, in this landscape of 2020. It's kind of an interesting route because uh, we know that, you know, most people don't have a 4K television. They probably won't for a while. And this will make your games look really good on your current television. Um, it's a next-gen system for 300 bucks. I mean, I think that's a really cool... A really cool competitive move to make, especially now that they have a subscription service to back it up. And just like a few other things, you know, Xbox has going for it right now. What they don't have is a bunch of exclusive launch games. So it's funny that they held out this long. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, in the game of chicken, but this does Mm -hmm. seem like one of its greatest selling points, uh, semi pun intended. So it's uh, it's interesting that it's taken them this long and obviously due to a leak initially before they owned the news themselves. Um, but it's it's a like mix. It's a huge differentiator and definitely makes the the deal between the two of them the most significant thing for Microsoft. Yeah, the value uh, proposition, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the five hundred dollar should... version too is still like you know that's kind of what we expected. This for some reason it's, it's I think it's really smart not to delay, but that they kind of uh, are talking about they talked about the S price at the, almost the same time because like that's all people are talking about like we would be talking about the PS5 versus the Xbox price right now as soon as PS5 comes out but there's always going to be this this $300 one in there and yeah. people are like we well, don't have to get the, the the full one it's just it's just a really interesting move i can't think of a precedent for and then they have yeah. that um financing option too right that's yeah. confirmed so yeah that's just like another consumer friendly option that is clearly like the a big corner um, cornerstone point for their their entire next gen lineup. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. That's Xbox All Access, uh, which allows you to uh, to get in on next generation Xbox for as little as twenty five dollars a month for twenty four months. So you're paying that over two years, and that also gets you uh, Game Pass Ultimate. So you get all you know more than a hundred you know access to more than a hundred games plus every Microsoft first party game day one mm-hmm. you get. So it's actually it just it seems to be like just a staggering deal, uh, especially if like, what if uh, Halo Infinite had been there at launch? $25 for $25. You got the new Xbox and Halo Infinite right on day one. It's so unbelievable. Like clearly there's going to be some of those games that you don't care about, but including every first party game and including EA games now, like that's basically like a price cut. Like you can imagine that that console is $60 even cheaper than the PS5 is because you don't have to pay $60 to get Halo Infinite. You know, it's just yeah. baked into the price of that subscription. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. 
it's it's amazing. Um, it's really really cool. I want to I want to circle back on and really underscore something that Sam said earlier about the Xbox Series S. The thing that impresses me so much and that I think is so smart is that it really did focus in on resolution. Like, if you have a 4K TV, like, you know, we hope you seriously consider the Series X. But if you don't, if you're, you know, either plugging that thing into a monitor or you still have a 1080p TV, like, the fact that the Series S is pretty compromise-free and that really that extra power is only being used to push, you know, these extra 4K pixels and um, at lower resolutions, the games will look just as good. I think that was very, very clever and very savvy and, you know, consumer friendly. And like, I just, I don't have enough positive things to say about like that being the point of differentiation between these two consoles. And like, like I still, I don't actually have a 4k TV every year, every, every Christmas I say, this is the year, but then it's like, well, then there's OLED and then there's other new tech and there's HDR and like every Mm -hmm. year I'm like, "Mm, maybe I'll just wait one more year. And so like, I'm still chugging away on my 1080p TV. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm one of those consumers. Like, so I know I've seen some people wondering like, well, who doesn't have a 4k TV yet? It's like, well, you know, we exist for a wide variety of reasons. I think it's like 70% of people that have consoles don't have a 4k TV. I still often use a projector and people find that Mm -hmm. confounding. I don't know why it's confounding. Because it's not as great resolution. Like you can still get a 4K yeah. projector, and I do. And like you know, I, I have a really good setup. But ultimately, it's totally lighting based. So if you're in yeah. a bright living room, it's kind of does not make for a great experience. But you can have a huge projector yeah. screen. You have the yeah. biggest screen out of anybody. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's it's huge. Yeah, it's fun. Wait, so Tina, do you do most of your gaming on a projector? I like, used that's to how you do it pre-pandemic. Yeah, I used okay. to. Yeah, now I'm more uh, committed to a TV. Okay. okay. TV. Um, okay, so uh, 500 for Series X, 300 for Series S. What's uh, our best guess right now for what PS5 is going to come in on? Uh, is there any way the 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 physical disc, you know, the one that can use this, comes in over five hundred dollars? I don't think so. I don't know, man. Like, I think like five hundred is probably what they're targeting, and now they're thinking since they have the ability to. To say whatever they want now they can probably go for four four fifty for the digital one Ugh. well yeah that's the digital one is actually the more interesting thing to i don't think there's any chance that the discless ps5 can reach 299 so i think on the yeah. low end yeah. Microsoft, wouldn't that be amazing though that would be the console yeah. or firing the back <laughs> yeah. if they're like oh but you can just get a full ps5 for three three hundred bucks but you just yeah. don't get a disc the the higher end console is probably four ninety nine, but you know, depending on how much heat Sony's feeling or how much that console makes, maybe it's five ninety nine. But goodness gracious, um, it's it's really that lower end one where, like, I think I think Microsoft really got them. I don't think they were expecting. I don't think Sony was expecting that lower end Xbox to be two ninety nine. I don't know if you can release. Go ahead, Tina. I was just going to say there is a theory um, that they'd be operating uh, at a loss at that point to deliver mm-hmm. on that kind of price. And I would not be surprised if that were the case. So Sony would have to be willing to make the same kind mm-hmm. of bet um, on their, you know, on ha- on their market and on how many uh, PS5s and, and discless PS5s that they would sell. And I'm sure their numbers will be up there, but it's a risk. It's a business risk at the end of the day. Yeah, Phil Spencer told IGN earlier this year that he was confident they were gonna be, they would be very competitive on price uh, mm-hmm. with next gen, and that he had the full backing of the bosses at Microsoft um, behind him. So that that kind of supports the idea that yeah, they're selling it at a loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think a lot of times console manufacturers, when they're in third place as Xboxes, like it was so eye rolly when they stopped reporting on the number of Xboxes sold, <laughs> and they're like. Well, we don't we don't really think about our business that way. We care about, you know, monthly active users and how many people are using Game Pass and but it's like it I in this instance, I think that there that that there's a lot of truth to that. Um because we see Game Pass on PC, for example, like it had this $5 a month, you know, price like they seem to really genuinely be more interested in getting people into that ecosystem from any angle like there's even xCloud in like the developing world like you know that's going to be you know an ability to play play these games um without any any hardware at all um so um you know it's game pass that's what they care about how many millions of people can they get subscribed to game pass and then the console is just an excuse to get game pass in people's homes yeah 
Hey, there's like, you know, Tina had said like, it's like there that, that, uh, Xbox like really knows the times and like, that's like a really smart reason to put out a cheap console because people hmm. were in a recession and there's uh, so many reasons why it'd be hard to convince your, your parents if you're a kid to get you a new system this year. But Xbox just kind of like laid all that out. They're like, you don't need to buy games. You can subscribe to this thing. That's just like Netflix. You, you can play all your old games, no matter what. You can mm-hmm. play the games you buy this week on your Xbox. So like Sony hasn't even answered some of those questions yet. So they've, they've really they've really tuned in to like really a, a, a pandemic console launch. I, I think that's amazing. It would have been good without a pandemic. I would have preferred. But it, 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 they have a good strategy for that. If Sony goes 600, they're showing the exact opposite. That would be that would be just like they did for the PS3. Oof, yeah, you're right. A generation ago, th- that was like that was during you know it, it was a time where it was like it, times were tough and people couldn't buy a you know five hundred dollars system at that time. Like this is like even in worse time. That'd be a crazy thing to go for. But I wouldn't put yeah. it past them. Like I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I just like would think it, it's a bad strategy. Yeah, the Series S is such an attractive value, especially uh, with the all access. You take it home for $25 a month, access to a lot of really great games, all future first party stuff. I can see a lot of PlayStation gamers who have never owned an Xbox making that their their second console. The PS5 will be their main. And then they also, uh, you know, for all the exclusives, and then they have their Xbox Series S for playing a lot of great third party games and first party Microsoft stuff. I do want to point out that every time we bring up All Access, and don't point this out, Seth Macy is rolling in his grave um, right. because he's not actually dead. Then make a joke, but uh, <laughs> he, he, it, it, um, what you are doing is it is a loan. It is a credit loan, and um, you only get that twenty five dollars a month price if you qualify with a certain credit score. <laughs> like there's there's like an army of fine print where like that that's how it's going to work for some consumers, but. For many other consumers, you know, they're not going to walk in and take an Xbox out for $25 a month and have it be that easy peasy. Like, you are taking out a line of credit with a bank. <laughs> That's what Xbox All Access yeah. actually is. But in turn, uh, if you pay off your credit in time, it helps your credit score. Yeah, that may be true. Good, to, not good to carry credit. <laughs> yeah, we now have the fine print running across the screen. Like, do not take <laughs> yeah. financial credit <laughs> yes, advice. Please do not. From- <laughs> hey, um, kids, be ready for having a good credit score out of college by getting an Xbox. Yeah, all, all access is amazing to be sure, but I, I continue to see it as just sort of a vehicle for Game Pass, which is where the real yeah. like I, I just can't get over it. Like, if you planned on buying, you know, even if you don't love all their franchises, like if you like Gears and Halo, like that makes this console just hundreds of dollars cheaper than it would have been because you don't have to buy those games anymore. I guaranteed there are families that are inevitably going to buy two consoles anyway. Um, so why not buy like the primary PS5 for the adults in the house and then the, you know, the, the budget Xbox Series S for your kids to play on some other 4K TV in your house? Yeah. yeah. Remember when there was different factions um, in the uh, PS3 era console war where the people would only get, they'd always have to have a Wii. And yeah. so they'd be yeah. like, I'm a PS Wii household or a Wii 60 household. Yeah. yeah. There that was, was like totally Wii, a Wii thing. 60. Yeah. The Wii 60 movement was real. <laughs> so what's it going to be for Switch? You know, is it, is it going to be the Switch Series X or Series, series yeah. S? Series Switch? Switch. Series Switch. Switch, Switch box. Yeah. You have the Switch box or you have, uh, you know, the, the Switch S5. <laughs> Switch Station. Uh, some people have also... Some people have also pointed out that you know twenty five dollars a month for two years uh, comes out to six hundred dollars, uh, so double the price of just buying the Series S. But for that extra three hundred dollars, that would only get you about four games at seventy dollar next gen prices. So it's still a much better deal for you know if you can swing in the all access. Yeah, you, you, you know, have to keep the system at the end of that, right? Yeah, but I don't know what happens if you like default or change your mind because there's only certain retailers that are participating in that program so you have to like they return the console it. yeah to walmart's or something <laughs> i don't know they send they send repossession officers to your house and amazon is not offering the all access plan hmm. i mean uh, how, how do you think any retailer feels about selling a digital only console like it's a little stab yeah. in gamestop's heart with each and every <laughs> series x that's sold yeah. um yeah yep. gamestop GameStop just announced they're uh, going to close hundreds more stores over its next fiscal year. Hundreds more. Those stores uh, were already happening before we couldn't go to stores anymore. And people haven't no. been able to go to stores for you know six well, months now. It's just no surprise. And GameStop's been doing curbside pickup, but it's not enough. 
Uh, okay, pre-orders for the Xbox Series, uh, which I, I think people have, I've seen people just start saying Xbox Series, and that covers You've both X that? and S. I've, I've heard that. You've seen that? It's okay to say that. Yeah, the X, just link? Xbox Series. Pre-orders go live. Yeah. So, what's that? I just think I, I don't think I'll be able to get used to that, and it also it's boring. <laughs> so you you want to say Xbox Series X and Xbox? I don't Series want to say S? any of that. I've always thought this titling <laughs> is really stupid. Series S and Series X. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say Xbox Series pre-orders go live okay. September 22nd. It's less than two weeks away, um, which means we have to be less than two weeks away um, from Sony announcing price and release date for PlayStation Five because mm. there's just mm. no way Sony could allow their competitor pre-orders to go live without you know without their uh, potential customers knowing when and how much uh, they can uh, pay for a PlayStation Five, right? Yeah, it's like that game- would. Go ahead. People would buy it too many. They would, you think people would go to Xbox because it exists as a pre-order and then spend yes. their money and then not be able to play? That's like the theory there. I can see. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. Like the the game of chicken is you know it's finally over. <laughs> like it's over. You know <laughs> Xbox went first, but like now we get to see like the prophecy fulfilled and see how like how does Sony respond? Like it's kind of interesting. Like Damon, I think you're completely right. If Sony Thank thinks you. they stack up. If they think they stack up favorably, Just they have to go out. They have to go out now, right? They have to go yeah. out before those pre-orders open. But if they if they feel the heat and can't get their console to five hundred bucks, if they have a five ninety nine console, maybe they wait. Like maybe they wait. right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I love it. Love it. It is very exciting times. Not everyone is, is as excited as we are. For example, Eric from Mexico City writes us to say, longtime listener here, with Microsoft finally having announced the price and release date of their new consoles over a tweet. Tweet is all capital. This new console launch is starting to feel very anticlimactic. We waited so long to hear something from either Sony or Microsoft, and we just get a tweet. Are you guys hyped for the new consoles, or should Microsoft and Sony be doing a better job at getting us excited? Well, we missed the boat in some ways because it felt like we would have known the information by now. It would have been disseminated through some sort of fancy press conference. You know, it would have been a drum roll moment and then a bunch of gasps in a physical audience. (laughs) But we weren't going to get that no matter what this year. And then there was a Mm -hmm. bunch of other complications that probably pushed is probably the reason why those announcements were pushed off. And then unfortunately for, for Microsoft, for Xbox, like they their announcement was unceremoniously revealed before they had an opportunity to. But I actually think yeah. they they played it pretty well, at yeah. least their first tweet, which was that meme. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah. With, with yeah, like, like a, a puppet looking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, here. <laughs> yeah, it was very playful. It was very like human and genuine. And then they, you know, behind the scenes scrambled to make sure that they could get all of their official materials up to speed, because at that point you might as well just speak to it. We're like two yeah. months out from this thing releasing, uh, shortly, you know, a short amount of time away from the pre-orders going up. So I'm, I'm sure they were close to it anyway at that point, and they figured they might as well own that part of the news cycle and confirm it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit unfortunate of a year, and for many many reasons. But yeah, I think they did the best with the multiple circumstances that hit their lap as as they could. Yeah, we'll see if uh, PlayStation has you know tries to make more of an event, like, you know, uh, tells people to tune in for a live broadcast of something like a PlayStation Direct style. For this, blame Nintendo, because they went with Directs way before press conferences, you know, stopped worldwide. They've been doing this digital thing forever. Now, I know just getting a tweet seemed absurd. I think they were maybe, maybe a little rushed by that leak by that point. But um, I think, like, they also were on the heels of the Halo delay and a bunch of, like, negativity around that. But, like, I, I'm, I, we always try to read comments and, and read it and try to like see what the vibe is out there. And boy, did positivity uh, uh, start happening right when that S price and stuff came out. And yeah. there's just a, a little bit, I don't like saying this word, but the narrative is a little bit different now. That's like their full intention. So whether like we're not hyped, like they also turned you know, a little bit of negativity into like pretty much like, Oh, let's wait and see. And positivity, which is a Mm -hmm. big thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely no denying that like, it's a little bit of an anticlimax and has been a little bit bungled, whether, you know, it's fair or not. Like, you know, the world is in a really interesting state right now. Like I've been doing this for 15 years 
Jesus. Um, but uh, I've never I've never seen a more hype moment in my life than E3 with PS4. We're like, yeah. here's the price. Here's the date. You can pre-order it right now. Like, go. I've never seen anything like that. And like now yeah, to have regressed to the state that we're in now of like, yeah, it comes out in a tweet at like 2 a.m. And it was all leaked. And, you know, like it doesn't feel great, but um, we're going to live with these consoles for a long, long time. And like, ultimately yeah. they're going to come out and none of that really matters beyond, you know, beyond just sort of the moment to moment gamesmanship of it. Yeah. But also the PS4 had the advantage of um you know the Xbox 1 starting off on the wrong foot. So they yep. had this <laughs> they had this mi- literal mic drop in the end moment um that was set up for them. They were they were set up for to to bat uh long before they even needed to make their big splashy announcement. So I think that helped with some of the anticipation and it was a bit of like a sigh of relief too um from consumers just thinking like oh yes, this is what we wanted. Sony is listening to us and I think Microsoft is now trying to re-own that part of the the narrative too yeah yeah you know what i like about console reveals that we that was it was only done by xbox this time but has done by been done by nintendo a lot before is when they show the system really early and like a fit like a little mock-up model or whatever and that's like the first beat and then you like kind of see more pictures of it but you don't know what's in it and stuff like i always like that feel of it and that's why like sony's one this this year was like a little bit out of whack for me because it was like oh we didn't really see it till till way way into the the summer and i always like that reveal so once those two things were revealed my hype was kind of like okay i don't know i just really like the visual the visual part of it and following that but and of yeah, course, the kind of the marketing beat, because technically the first thing we saw of the PS5 was like a loading screen for yeah. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, still- and Xbox did show the tall, the tall, you know, the beer can system early yeah. on, which is really funny. <laughs> it's just dawning on me, you know, right now that I haven't made up my mind yet. And that's really unusual. Like, I usually know, like, you know, I'm going to have to buy every console and I'm going to want to buy every console because uh, I'm an enthusiast. But like. PS4 was like clearly my lead console last generation, like heads and tails, right? And like, I don't really have a sense of that yet for PS5 versus Xbox. Like, I don't know if I'm buying them both this fall. Like, my mind is actually not made up. So, um, I wonder if there's uh, a lot of other undecideds mm-hmm. <laughs> out there uh, on this particular topic. We'll have to do right. another poll. Yeah, we should do another poll. Right now, I'm thinking uh, PS5 and then Series X All Access. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking right now. You you um, would do the subscription? I was wondering if anybody yeah. in this group would do the subscription. I mean, it almost <laughs> it's like if you can, I don't know why you would just buy the console and then you also have to buy uh, Game Pass Ultimate on top of that, and then you have to buy so all those games. It's more money to buy the console. Yeah. Before before we move on, uh, I've granted your wish. I ran a poll this morning that says called uh, "Now that we know a little more about pricing on the next gen consoles, which do you think you're most likely to buy?" All right, so our audience today, the 17,000 votes are in, say uh, uh, 50.8%. It just changed in real time in front of me. Wow, that was amazing. 50.8% say PlayStation 5 standard. 13% say PlayStation 5 digital edition. So that's a total of about 64% PlayStation. And then uh, Xbox Series X is 29.8, and Series S is 5.9. So about 36% Xbox Mm. then. So uh, that's lines up with. It was about 30 before. And so like really that like 6% boost is coming from Series S, which is exactly yeah. what it's got. Well, that's kind of neat. Yeah, that's great. Good data. Uh, before we move on, I, I would like to know why, uh, what Sam's problem with the word narrative is. I like that when we're talking about actual narratives, because, you know, I'm a lit major and I like that and everything. <laughs> I don't like it when it's used as like... Um, it's a it's, it's basically it's a substitute for the word lie <laughs> or um, when it's used in politics, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to oh, stick to the narrative. It's like, got that's, a, yeah, that's, it's got a negative connotation to it as if it's not yeah. the real story. It's the story yeah. that you are prepared mm. to tell the PR yeah. clarified story. But I think um, I think narrative when you're talking about like community conversations is more zeitgeist, which I know a lot of people don't like that word either. I think because it's like a stuffy sounding word. But, hey, it's appropriate and fitting in the definition. It is. Stuff. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's also a replacement for like, you know, the discussion around the news becomes the news more than mm-hmm. the news, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit like, well, this has more hype and momentum behind it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but what's the substance of like what's actually being said? We can just rename Twitter narrative. 
What the yeah. what, what would be the name for individual <clears throat> tweets? Ne- tips? Narrates. Narrates. I like tips. <laughs> Did you Bob see my tips? This morning, Tibbs is much more like the uh, the appropriate like you know social media shorthand. Yeah. I like that. Ooh, I okay. like this. I'm I'm gonna retiv this. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna slide to your Tibbs later. <laughs> um, no, that that's you want to slide slide into your uh, your box. You slide into the box. Your DTs, your directives. Okay, <laughs> narratives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, earlier today, we got another Ubisoft forward where they announced a bunch of new stuff. They sort of relaunched what the game that was formerly known as Gods and Monsters, uh, now known under the objectively worst title, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Phoenix spelled in a really silly way. I can but, barely remember the old name now. It's, just, it's all Phoenix to me. But I do think the game looks pretty fun, and it looks like a Sammy game. It totally is a Sammy game because it's just a Breath of the Wild clone. <laughs> yeah. And it really is. Like, they showed a lot of gameplay today where it was like, you know, you use a, a scanner to kind of look at the distance, you drop a pin, and then you float off a really high thing for a long time and get down in there and fight stuff. And then it has a little bit of the, the graphical style. And none of that is a negative for me. But it is for uh, some of the other people on staff that I've talked to. They think it looks like generic Zelda, which I totally get. If it, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's its own thing. And boy, I watched all that footage today, like really intently because I wanted to see like, oh, is the, you know, the the Greek gods part of this going to be interesting? And I got to say, like, I grew up, my dad is a, a Greek translator, a classical Greek translator and, and teaches uh, ancient Greek. And like, I, I grew up in that, you know, him talking about that that pantheon and stuff like that. And, and I really like it and it's really familiar to me and cool. So that's something I'm also attracted to, but yeah, I'm hyped. Tina, what'd you think? I did not see it because I've been in meetings all day, but I did peep the trailer for Prince of Persia. So I'll get back to you on that <laughs> one. <laughs> the name thing is silly. That's all. Well, if you just, uh, picture breath of the wild in your mind, you're very close to picturing. Yeah. Apparently I'm surprised by that. Phoenix. You know what's funny? Even from the materials I've seen, it doesn't seem like it doesn't like scream Breath of the Wild to me. But obviously there was like a pretty extensive gameplay uh, yeah. showcase, apparently associated with the renamed the rebranding trailer and whatever else. So yeah. sounds like mechanically it is in that gameplay overview. The developer at one point even says, uh, you know, Immortals Phoenix Rising is heavily inspired by Greek mythology. But in my head, I just heard heavily inspired by Breath of the Wild. It's also it's also a go anywhere from the start of the game. Like you, you the map yeah. is instantly accessible anywhere, and it's based on a stamina meter, which is involved in yeah. climbing and everything. But they extend the stamina meter in this game to be in like part of fighting, which which is a little bit in Zelda too. So it has it real it really is. It's like a it's it's a it's a Breath of the Wild inspired game. And if Breath of the Wild you know becomes a genre, I'm of course fine with that. <laughs> but again, what if they add in what Breath of the Wild absolutely didn't have was a story. It had nothing to draw you into yeah. characters or, or anything. It had a great world building, which for me is better than a story. But uh, 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 it, this game has conversations and dialogue. In our preview, our uh, uh, the writer Cam Shea, who wrote it, uh, just loved it. He saw he thought it was really funny. He thought the gods were like had really good conversations with your character. And it's really weird because you build your character from scratch in this game, but everything you see for it is a uh, as a as a woman. They keep showing this one model of which is funny. But today they showed like how you can design your characters. You can be like totally totally crazy character designer too. As long yeah. as there's no I mean, weapon breaking system. Oh boy, um, I don't know about weapon breaking actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I I want to add on to what Sam was saying. Like, if there were a million and one games, and open world games are completely you know subsumed by this Breath of the Wild style, go anywhere, climb anything. Like, this would feel worse. But like, no one else has really tried. And like, so why? Like, you know, Breath of the Wild sold whatever twenty two million copies, won every award that there is to win. You know, absolutely made a stamp on the industry. And then every other developer looked at it and said, Nah. We're fine. We're fine with just having invisible walls everywhere, and we don't need to let our players climb anything or have that level of freedom. So it's like, you know, it's great. Like, I'm glad that someone else is finally kind of trying to build on that and iterate on it. Like, um, my level of personal goodwill for, like, you know, one developer sort of biting off another and sort of copying them a little bit is informed by, like, how widespread it becomes. Like, we have a million and one, you know, Metroid likes, but there's not that many Zelda likes out there. And so I'm happy to see other, you know, other talented teams giving it a shot until 
you know, if it becomes super saturated, my opinion might change. Yeah. I think actually Ubisoft got close to that before with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. My memory of that is that you can climb pretty much anything in that yeah. game. Uh, but so, so I agree uh, with Sam. <laughs> Immortals Phoenix Rising looks fun. I'm definitely going to play it. But man, the trailer that they showed today, the music was so tonally off from, uh, I think it was just a total uh, miss of yeah. the mark. It, it's like they're it playing popping. like, well, it was like a remix of a, ja- a funky James Brown song. And the lyrics were, I got ants in my pants. Yeah, I thought that was really strange. And that's how they re-revealed the game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's coming this year. Immortals Phoenix Rising is out December 3rd. Um, Now we can go to the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake. This is a game that I played back in the day. I think I played it on PS2. Did anyone else play the original game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. GameCube. Yeah. GameCube. I I think it was on everything, Xbox as well. Tina, did you play the original? I think I played like an hour or two. It was one of those borrowing uh, moments of my childhood. Uh, I remember liking the game. I haven't really thought of, about it a whole lot over the last 17 years, but I don't know. Is it cool that they're remaking like of, of any game Ubisoft could remake of any Prince of Persia? Is this, is this, a, is this a cool one to pick? It's the beloved one. You know, what's funny is that it's, uh, it, it's uh, Ubisoft in their promo of this. They said it was their first remake ever. And Ubisoft company history. So if you think about it, they've done remasters, but not remakes. That's the, mm. we, we did, we did an interview and uh, our interviewer, Brendan followed up and, and I was talking to him about it a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's what they're claiming. I didn't do the, the research, but he looked into it a little bit and he, he's a, a great uh, list based uh, encyclopedic person. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Mm. It's cool. They have the same voice actor. Coming back to re-record dialogue. The main voice actor that I saw, but then the others just aren't. Well, they only they only mentioned the you know the prince. Yeah. yeah. I most online like everything that I'm seeing, everyone's very disappointed that the game doesn't look better. Um, yeah, it doesn't look know, like a, it doesn't. It's not like a, a a Resident Evil Two remake graphical leap, right? It's current gen. Yeah. Yeah. Our <laughs> producer Borba says the princess was recast. The voice. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, John. Uh, yeah, I think that it looks like, you know, current gen for one part. And I know it'll be, you know, you can, they said you can play it on the next system. So that just doesn't, doesn't mean it's being going to upscale or anything, but um, it, it has a, uh, 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 it's weird. Cause they showed all this mocap and it looked like really good mocap and they showed acting and stuff. But then like when I actually saw the characters faces and stuff, it just looks a little bit, looks a little bit uncanny Valley to me. Like it looks like they're trying to go like between cartoony and, um, and realism and it doesn't look great but then at the end of that trailer they show outdoor environments like mm-hmm. a bunch of like fantasy palaces and i was like yes that's what i'm interested in yeah yeah when you think of remake at least you know of recent times um final fantasy 7 comes to mind i think that was the last remake we got mm-hmm. and like that's a huge difference mm-hmm. and obviously like different circumstances there um you know who knows how long the production time is between the two of those games so uh, kind of an unfair comparison to make, but in general, um, I think like it looks. It if you weren't told that it was a remake, would you think it was a remake or a remaster? Exactly. Yeah, that's it a looks. Good point. It looks like a nicely done remaster. Yeah. Like we've, mm-hmm. we've complained about this on the show before. We're like remake and remaster is so fuzzy and can mean any number of things. Um, you know, like Final Fantasy VII remake at one end of the spectrum, like just completely redone yeah, and blown up and re-envisioned. Um. And, you know, Resident Evil fits into that bucket, too. But yeah, Link's Awakening is one that I always think of, too. It's just like, wow, that's that's yeah. a remake. And yeah. so I think remake has, like, a certain... Sets a certain expectation level that, like, remaster doesn't. Um, my perspective is that, like, yeah, like, you know, measure up against those games. I completely understand people's disappointment. But, like, you know, I, I still think about it as a game from 2003 that I liked quite a bit. And, like, it feels like they're just sticking a little more closely to, like, to the to the original vision. 2003, 2002? I think it's three. 2003. Yeah. 17 years a, ago. I was talking about this earlier with Tina. There was this funny quote, which was had, um, <laughs> it said that uh, they were, they had fixed a couple of things, including camera and, uh, and, and like, it was like this list. And I was like, that's exactly what people wanted for Mario. Yeah. So I don't want to go too far into the, like, you know, this is bad news for Prince of Persia fans. It isn't like they spent a lot of time, hopefully fixing things, 
that were uh, wrong with it that I think we all wish you know were fixed in, in, in a bunch of the games that were just announced from Nintendo's porting. There's there's yeah. definitely an element of like you know awesome. Mario Nintendo did literally nothing at all to Mario 64. It's the exact same game, and it's one of my favorite games ever made. But you know the camera's bad. Like there's stuff about that game yeah. that like would be nice to be fixed. Um, and yet Ubisoft does try to go in and fix this stuff and gets more heat than just they're catching more flack than if they would have just you know upraised and ported the original game. They said they yeah. added puzzle. So I added some puzzle stuff, which I think is cool because th- that game had some kind of puzzles that they used a lot, or you get really stuck on and stuff. That was good. But the, the thing I was also remembering now is that they also, you know, that game is famous for a rewind feature, mm-hmm. and um, it was just like that was like kind of technologically impressive at the time too. And uh, that's just another thing that's like that's like I know we demand when we're playing retro games now is like include your rewind feature. And I just think it's funny that's a part of that game, but um, yeah. It would be great if you put out Nintendo would never do this. But maybe they do it with an easy mode or something. But it'd be really cool to play a platformer like Mario Sunshine or 64 with a rewind. That would be really neat. And it would take some of the annoyance out and, and let, let you practice a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sands of Time is that the remake is out in January after next gen consoles are out, but not being made for next gen consoles. Or um, Switch. Yeah, you well. Play them I mean, with backward compatibility. So. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could probably do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe as with so many of these remakes, uh, that are announced, maybe it'll come to switch later on down the line. Yeah. I don't know. We keep hearing those rumors that, um, Nintendo is asking to developers to prepare their games for 4k for the switch. Yeah. That that was another bump to that rumor this week, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, the Scott Pilgrim game, which disappeared from stores years ago is getting sort of relaunched coming back this holiday. So that's cool. But if you bought it before, you do have to buy it again. That game ruled. I, I can't believe they got the rights to, you know, to the soundtrack and, the, and yeah. the license and all that stuff sorted out to have yeah. that game come back. That's just like a, a brawler with really, really awesome pixel art and music. Very cool game. Uh, an update, they gave us an update on Watch Dogs. It's, <laughs> in its post-launch content, it's getting Aiden Pierce, the protagonist from Watch Dogs 1. Well, he's so like... He's so yeah. iconic, Damon. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so beloved. When we talked about who should be on video game Mount Rushmore, it was definitely it was Aiden Pierce oh, and then right. Mario. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, of course, the main character from Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I actually liked the first Watch Dogs, so I, I don't hate on that game. I just thought it was, I it was just kind of... I the second one because it was fun to drive around the Bay Area in it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually I'm excited for Watch Dogs Legion too. I'm at least excited to see how the you know take control of any character plays out. But it seems like a really evil thing to do. What? Well, you have you're convincing them. You're not taking over the, them. They're like minds against their will. You're convincing them to join your cause, Sam. Plus, you're breaking them out of their usual NPC cycle where they just go yeah. to one store. <laughs> well, if you yeah. think of them as NPCs, then it's not so evil. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. But even if you agree to be like, oh yeah, you can take over my mind anytime. That's first of all, something you should never agree to. I've seen Black Mirror. <laughs> that's at least five out of six episodes. One season were about that. Um, yeah. And, uh, and also uh, if you agree to that still, like sometimes you're just like, you know, enjoying your, your matcha tea. It's a nice summer day. And then what you have to go like, you know, be killed at the tower of London. It seems ridiculous to me. I think that's too much. For a worthy cause. I hope, hopefully. I, I, my theory is that you're evil in this game. <laughs> okay. Um, you are just, you're the people, though. You are legion. Well, the uh, people are evil, that's for sure. Finally, uh, Ubisoft announced a new game, Riders Republic, I guess spiritual, su- uh, spiritual successor to Steep, uh, a massively multiplayer extreme sports game. Open world. Uh, op- well, yeah, it's, I mean, is it? it's not open world. It is. It's, it's, it's different it's locations a, in America. Well, it's big. I know, but it's like it's you. You have huge exploration areas. I don't know if you can call it exploration. It's basically like five woohoo islands. That's how I describe it. Okay. Remember okay. Pilot Wings? Uh, yeah. And uh, Wii Sports Resort. This looks like Pilot Wings to me. That's the problem. I, I don't know if I got a Pilot Wings five. Did you see the jetpacks? Did you see the hang gliders? Yeah. Tell um, me why it's not like Pilot Wings. Because Pilot Wings is a, a solitary experience and okay, not so quite as, as goofy. As soon as you add in multiplayer, Damon's out. I know, I know. And I am too, usually. But they did have a, they did have a big multiplayer component to this. 
but uh, I don't I'm like I I really don't like extreme sports or sports of any variety, but uh, I do like pilot wings and I do like I like Wii Sports Resort. And I like the idea of like having a big open area to do kind of aer- aeronautic based tricks and stuff like that. I think that's cool. Well, they showed this footage of just like, you know, dozens or if, if not, you know, probably not hundreds, but dozens of like uh, bicyclists going down a mountain and people yeah. crashing. So I thought maybe it was going to be a battle royale at first, but they never they never said those words. They just call it massively multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I just it just it just seems Ubisoft seems unique among uh, the bigger publishers and just like how many different uh, new types of games and projects they're willing to just throw against the wall and see what sticks, right? Because like last year at E3 they announced that what Roller Champions, they're like roller oh, derby yeah. game. Mm-hmm. right they that talked about still, that more today too well it's still not officially out yet i don't think unless they surprise launched it today i don't know i didn't yeah but it's not today. like they haven't swept it under the rug like they have with skull and bones which they did uh, uh, uh post about this week yeah there's also skull and bones and then there's hyperscape their battle royale that they just launched I, don't yeah, know, just, I think that kind of goes to show you like what it's like Ubisoft is such a weird company. They're like, they're based worldwide and they have yeah. so many teams and a lot of those teams work on one project together. And then I think they all have pet projects. And man, when you're at Ubisoft, you must be thinking like, like when for honor was being shown and I was like, Oh yeah, this game is, you know, you can attack, attack people in groups and it's kind of sluggish and stuff. They said today is 25 million players. That game is going so strong. If you can take bets like For Honor and then have it be yeah. like a giant game that lasts forever, like you're going to yeah. start taking bets on other things, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Riders Republic is out February 25th, which is just days after Far Cry 6. Let's share what we've been playing. Sam and I have been playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered. I've been having a good time with it. I don't know about you, Sam. I have. I've never played those games. I've discovered that I haven't played those games enough to know what I'm doing at all. And I remember Mm -hmm. playing them, you know, with friends and my friends being really good at them. And so I hated them. And so then now when I'm playing by myself and I'm trying to learn, I'm just I'm just awful. And like I went through the tutorials, I I unlocked the school and I know what I'm doing. But like I also have this other thing working against me. I wrote the strategy guides for the skate games and I got Mm. really good at those, Mm. like super good. And everything in my muscle memory is just totally screwing with me when I play Tony Hawk. But uh, I get it. It's so fun. Combos are great. I don't know how to do them. If I knew how to play this game, it'd be the best. And I'm working (laughs) on it. I'm learning. That's funny you say that because I actually didn't ever play the skate games, but I played a lot of Tony Hawk one through three. So uh, my muscle memory is just like slowly starting to come back. It, it felt familiar right away, but I just have to sort of like relearn how to do everything. Um, for me, it's all about grinding and and then connecting uh, grinds. Uh, so you manual from like you know uh, grindable yeah. object to grindable object. Keep your combos going. It's, it really it's bothers super- me that you have to do the uh, the the teeter totter when you're yes. manualing. But you can grinding for a long time. But you can pump uh, stat points in your balance to where you don't even have to worry about it eventually. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's a really good tip. There you go. And this uh, was your week's this week's episode of Damie's Tips. <laughs> um, they also like, just don't really make games like that anymore. It's so arcadey. I love the whole concept of you have two minutes to you know complete as many objectives. Yeah, as you can. I didn't remember like that. It yeah. is funny. It's like putting in a quarter. Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Yeah. Um. Just I know you've uh, played Tony Hawk games in the past, but you're mm-hmm. still just playing Lord of the Rings Online. Yeah, I, I do want to check out the Tony Hawk remaster, but for a little bit, like my the first one that I owned and like really played a lot of was three. Uh, and I played one and two at friends' houses, but like three and four and those maps and like, you know, that was Alcatraz and like that era, like that's my memories. And so I want to mm-hmm. play one and two to like, you know, close this gap and like, you know, see how it compares to three and four, which I'm really fond of. Um, yeah. Not played it. Get yet. excited for warehouse and school. Cause that's where I've been playing. <laughs> I do remember school at my buddy's house a lot. Um, you know, everybody does. Uh, yes, I am still playing Lord of the Rings online. Um, I, it's a little bit hard to describe where I am or what I'm doing. Um, I'm following off on, the the game follows the plot of the book and then um, and then doesn't and then deviates and invents mm-hmm. its own characters and its own scenarios and I'm sort of off doing a new thing now where a new villain um, I'm trying to thwart her and she had a palantir and she's trying to use the palantir to get one of the lesser one of the minor rings of power 
which it's crazy. Like even the lesser rings are still crazy powerful and lets her like enthrall the minds of everyone around her and all this crazy stuff. So we have to stop her from finding this minor ring of power. And last night I pulled off a little heist and took the Palantir. She doesn't have it wow. anymore. Is it a dwarven ring? Um, it's just one of the lesser rings. Like it's not even one of the dwarven rings. It's just a lesser magic ring of power. Hmm. Like, you know, it's not even like a numbered, like one of the nine given to men or anything like that. 3,000 rings to rule them all. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, um, to wield that power now? The, yeah. the, the game. I don't have the ring yet. I think it's unlikely that I'll be allowed to wield that power. They're um, all evil. Yeah, they are all incredibly evil. <laughs> Um, so that's going to delay. That's like this long sort of epic quest line. That's going to stop me from getting into Moria, but I'm, I'm going to get there eventually. Um, the game does this thing and I say it with love. Every MMO does this where like expansions come out every two years or so, and they have to kind of tread water and fill time in the meantime. Hmm. And I'm at the point where they were adding things to the game before the Moria expansion came out. And so, like, that's where they okay. invented this whole storyline, this whole plot line, while okay. they were working on Moria. And so, I have to sort of grind my way through that quest line before I sort of get back on track. I'm level. I'm and level before four. you all write in and say uh, the three Elven rings are evil, I know. But if Sauron gets the One Ring, then the Elves will be powerless because he betrayed them by creating the One Ring to be able to control them. But I know until he gets it, they're probably fine. They're all right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> They were uh, created without his control. He just ended up, you know, binding the One Ring to them. Tina, you just had a week off. Did you play any video games? Started uh, Marvel's Avengers, so I'm not oh, cool. super far in. I think maybe I played like two or three hours, so I'm a little ill-equipped to pass judgment. But I did um, frustration quit at one point, <laughs> so that's kind of the the current status of where I'm sign. feeling about that game. Yeah. So basically, there's this scene where you have to pull a lever and then you pull that lever or you like mm -hmm. flip a switch or something and then a bunch of enemies come out and then you gotta like go across the other side of the room and flip that switch and a bunch of enemies come out and then you gotta go back to the first switch and do it all over again and at that point i was like nope gotta go i can't do this right now so yes frustration quit uh, mm -hmm. about three hours two hours in um i hear that the general consensus seems to be that single player is good um and the multiplayer is kind of where the issues come into play in terms of the grindiness it's, the it's all that switch that's yeah. all multiplayer is. <laughs> well if that's the case i very much agree with that assessment but <laughs> apparently it's a lot of um there's just a lot of different currencies and so there's a lot of confusion around it and then yeah the grindiness which is unfortunate because the thing i was most looking forward to about this game is the multiplayer because it oh, feels wow. like a good excuse um, to hang out digitally with friends. Like I'm, I'm actually genuinely considering picking up Destiny Two all over again just for wow. that purpose alone. Um, if you guys want to play, we're all playing Final Fantasy XIV, so you should just play that <laughs> with us instead. <laughs> That's a fair point. We'll, we'll trade off week by week. Um, oh, <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Overcooked and Overcooked Two, which me and my whole family are playing, and it's very cute. That's fun. Including the three-year-old, she insists on having you know a Joy-Con in her hands herself. Half the time, she's holding it upside down. Um, yeah, that's like my two-year-old nephew. He always wants to take the control. I'm like, but you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, and but in the case of Overcooked, like she can't do anything because she's three, but she's old enough to know if we've given her a decoy controller, and then she Ooh. gets really mad. So we have to actually put her in the game, and then she just sort of stands in the corner. <laughs> the whole level. Well, it's like an extra challenge. Yeah, and then it's like depending on if my wife and I are in a good mood, you know, it's like it's fun, and you know, we're not making any progress. But then it's like if we had like a stressful day or whatever, we're like shouting at our six year old, <laughs> like, "Why you were supposed to be chopping the fish? Come on!" <laughs> like, oh, I hit the wrong button. I'm sorry. So, um, it's a real, it's a man, it's a real test. I would say like, it's a real test of familial bonds. Yeah. Uh, Tina, last week, Sam and I, uh, were agreeing that we thought we were, uh, we thought Kamala Khan was just a very likable character. We we're a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. Um, everybody seems to have that same opinion so far. She seems nice as a character, um, again, super early. in. um, I do like one thing that's very cool is if you turn subtitles on, um, mm -hmm. in the single player game, they actually narrate some of her actions. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like a comic book would. So there, there's a lot more text in there. Uh, than you'd expect from from normal subtitle reading. So that part is very cool. 
should um her comic Ms. Marvel just start with issue one. Uh, it got you know it's like maybe five or six years old now, and it's just the best. It's one of the best comics I've read, maybe maybe ever actually. That entire run, it's just really really great. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. listeners you said we weren't doing always... that this week. I, I've never said that. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Jay from Buffalo did. And Jay from Buffalo says, Omega Cops, I've heard so many people online talking about buying several copies of Mario 3D All-Stars and leaving them sealed. This has become a practice that has really become more common in gaming. As someone that was a huge baseball card collector during the 90s with thousands of pounds of low-value cards, do you think that all this collecting of video games now is going to really limit the value of these games? It makes sense that sealed copies of NES, SNES, GBA, etc. games are so valuable because most gamers opened their games, tossed the boxes, and played them. Thanks. That's correct. The idea there is that if you uh, are making something for collectors, then it's not collectible. By that point, you know, there's a, there's a market that's being filled and the people that, that buy those are all holding on to them and not opening them. Like that, that's the opposite of what makes something collectible. You need to, you know, you need a time machine, but what you need to do is figure out what the thing is right now. That's cool. It's niche. That's like just not, not super popular. And, you know, it's, it's, it's limited because people aren't buying it because it's limited, but then people that are, are buying it are enjoying it. And that's like the real secret. As soon as things become, you know, planned collectors editions and stuff like that, they're just not, that's just a contra- well, contradictory, you know, aspect of them. It's a little bit of a mind. Tr- well, like Nintendo said, they're not, the, what, the, what this is, is they said they're not selling the game after March 31st, which I was trying to think that has never happened before like collector's editions can run out like you know other things but to just be like we are not gonna sell you this game after six months i think yeah they do it but they don't tell you right they just stop producing it they just stop producing it and so it's a little bit of a a magic trick that nintendo pulled we're like they're gonna have 20 million copies of mario 3d all-stars but only for six months Versus games that they never say they're going to stop making them, but they only made a million of them. You know, they only made 500,000 copies of these weird esoteric Switch games. Um, but no one, you know, no one goes gaga over those. Um, so I don't I don't think that this game is. I, I think that's a mistake. Yeah. Anyone thinking that they're going to that that's yeah. going to be a wise investment for them. Yeah. The general um, collector collectors rule there being that like anytime it's made for collectors, it's not collectible anymore. Uh, I think. T.Y. the Beanie Babies is a perfect <laughs> example of that, where mm-hmm. like people were going crazy over them, but then suddenly yeah. when people start to think like, oh, there's value here, and they started collecting them, that's when the prices went down. I still have a couple tagged T.Y. Beanie Babies mm-hmm. um, that are useless now. And at the time, they were like priceless and rare. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you get the Princess Die one or the Grateful Dead one? Those are the ones I remember that were worth a lot of No, people. I have like this like praying golden bear. I don't know. It was it was like yeah. I think it's called there Hope or something, and it there was very like it was very coveted at the time. Yeah, I think and it was I, I, for like three dollars. There are things that that come out now that are uh, popular that um, will have such a limited run. Like if it's if it's a you know a giant franchise like Zelda, and there's a limited run of the collector's editions. Those collector's editions always end up being worth money. That's that's yeah. not the case, you know, for large genres of things. So that's like a very targeted. Uh, uh, collector market there we should a couple things i want to point out uh one i uh was bagging on all-star collection last week a little and i i stand by those criticisms but one thing is mario sunshine is very very hard and expensive to play legitimately um you know galaxy is not very rare mario 64 is not very rare at all and it's been ported but sunshine that the only way to play it is with a gamecube disc that's expensive you know it's expensive and hard to get so um I do understand the appeal of All-Star, you know, for that alone, just from the perspective of, like, if people have gaps in their gaming history. Um, so, you know, like, this, there's, like, I've come around a little bit on All-Star where I'm like, maybe it does make sense to have this thing for 60 bucks. Um, if you're going to have to pay 60 bucks to play Sunshine by itself. Yeah. Um, the other point I was going to make is that it's the second, so Amazon publishes bestseller list, just like the New York Times bestseller list. They have the best-selling books and music and games of 2020. And in just this one week, one week of pre-orders, Mario All-Stars is the second best-selling video game of the year on Mm -hmm. Amazon, behind only Animal Crossing. So, um, hey, that's... Go Nintendo. 
amazing, go Nintendo, but B, like all the more reason to not believe that it's going to be remotely collectible. That's a good point. Um, so I know I'm, I'm also known for not opening things in boxes, but I really recommend you buy video games to open. In addition to other forms of media, I think media should be opened. And I just think some things are fun to put on your desk in a box because the box is pretty. I think that's nice. Tina, last week we were saying, uh, Justin and I were a little disappointed with uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Just the, the fact that they're just ports, not remakes, not even really remasters, not fixing things like the camera in Mario 64. There's no uh, sort of extra special features, museum-like features that you've seen in, in other games like the uh, SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. And then Sam was just super excited to have it. So what was your take? Yeah, Choose think, a side. Um, <laughs> well, I think Nintendo gets away with a lot um, in a lot of situations, and we've been operating with zero intel from them, zero announcements for so long that just in general, hearing a big splash of announcements and from especially from beloved series, like that's often enough for a lot of people to get excited. Um, and I, Nintendo's always also operated really slowly in the sense of coming around, to, like look how long it took us to get Nintendo online, for instance, when that was already like this completely set precedented thing in the industry. Um, it's just for for them to finally come on board with some of the um, with some of the uh, other things the rest of the industry is doing, like makes a really big impact for them because it's new for them. So I'm excited to play games I haven't played before. Same with like Prince of Persia. I only got to play a few hours and now this is the perfect excuse because it'll be topical uh, and related to my job. So two birds, one stone, essentially. Mm. So on a personal level excited on a more industry community level i can see why nintendo gets a little bit of leeway that maybe uh sony and microsoft don't yeah it was very fair very <laughs> fair i picked both sides <laughs> <laughs> okay that brings us to video game 20 questions but before we get into it i can hear someone's phone buzzing as if they're getting texts or notifications and i can see the youtube comments already some people yeah, will find that, that annoying. Too. it's not mine it might be sam's I'll put mine on my knee it's not okay mine. yeah I it's live, vibrating on the table <laughs> it's, pro it's probably john <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just giving you a hard time john <laughs> Uh, our suggestion, our 20 question suggestion this week comes from Jabari in Minneapolis. Let the questioning begin. Oh, Minneapolis, it's very cold in the winter. <laughs> very cold there. Mm. Does this game, does this game have snow in it anywhere? I was going to say that too. A snow oh, level. Really? So many games have snow levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stand by. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. To be fair, a lot how, of snow levels are forgettable. Yeah. How would you figure that out? Like, if I had to Google any game I know, I guess okay. I would look up. The answer is yes. It's got cool. snow. Snow confirmed. Yeah. Nice. Good work. Uh, is this from before uh, the year 2000? No. Is it current is, gen? Is it current gen? Is that what you asked? Yeah. No. Is this game uh, three-dimensional? No. 2D game. Cool. Is this? A, would you call this an indie game? No. That's five. Wow. Oh. Okay. So some big first party 2D game. Yeah. Could be. Is it part of a franchise? Yes. Wait, why first party? Sylvania. Why? Uh, because it's not. It. I didn't. I didn't mean first party so much. I said. I think I. I meant third party. If I said first party, but it's just like oh. you know. It's like a, from a big publisher. Okay. Um, is there, uh, I want to say like fighting involved, but is that too vague? Is there fighting involved? Uh, are you just, is there fighting? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm thinking like a, like brawling or a fighting game style combat. Well, that's a different like question. Do you, I, I want to know if you defeat enemies by a method other than jumping on their head. That's what I want to know. Um, hmm. Not to take over your question, Tina, but I don't know if it's... No, like... I, I was going in the combat direction. You specified it. There might be... And you seem I, to have let's... landed on a good one. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably other ways to defeat enemies, but I can't speak to specifics, so we'll just we'll pass on that one. It's not, it's not Castlevania, guys. Mm -hmm. Could hmm. be Sonic or Mario. 
Um, <clears throat> was Wait, this made it's in not Japan? part of a franchise, though. It no, is, it part, is of part of a franchise. Oh, it is part of a franchise. Okay. Yeah. Was this made in Japan? Yes. Was this published by Nintendo? Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is this part of the Mario series? Uh, ten- tangentially. I think it's Super Princess Peach. Super Princess Peach or Wario something something. Uh, does uh, well, okay, 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 okay. Does this game star? Does this game star Wario? Yes, that's ten. <laughs> there you go. I don't even. I don't know those games that well. Uh, I, some of them definitely came out before two thousand, right? Several of them. Is, Most of them are on Game Boy. Is this on the Wii? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This game is called. It's, is this a platformer? Yes. All right. This game is called um, Wario. What is it called? The Wii Wario game. <laughs> I played it. Yeah, I have it. Also, I thought that game was 3D. No. Yeah, it's like it's it's a 2D game. Like it, it's set yeah. on the the you, know, you go right to left in it and you explore. What's that game called? Man, <laughs> it has a funny name because it sounds like it's going to be like a um, like a is motion just, game or something. Like is it's, it just it's Wario like, World. No, I don't think so. That's that's the name of the Virtual Boy game. So uh, I'm gonna cheat. I'm I'm looking it up. <laughs> it's called Wario Tilton Tilt. Tilt and tumble or rattle oh, around or mega crunch or yeah no but it has a name like that it has like a it's called Wario something something oh it I was thinking of Wario World on the GameCube yeah that's not it the Wario one on the Wii is Wario Land Shake It Shake It see it has motion in it I remember that yeah uh, but uh, but I was thinking of, yeah I was thinking of a completely different game. I was thinking of the yeah it's good game. and you go up to things and you shake the controller like this it has motion controls in it. Is this Wario Land shake it? It sure is, but I don't think that counts because you guys cheated yeah no, we, we should have talked about it before that. we I knew we knew it was Wario Land on the Wii, but you, had, you just didn't know we, the name but that also doesn't, Justin come on. warned you that he was going to google you could have you could have called it then it's Can almost like you me. wanted us to cheat. No, I didn't we lost. Speed. But were you impressed that I got to the point that it was Wario something something, and it had motion controls mentioned in it? <laughs> yeah. But I really, I again, I feel like I'm doing this a lot these days. But I'm going to send this one up to the commission. <laughs> okay, sure. Because I think if you know the game, that's the spirit of the game. Just because you I can't like recall the actual title of the game. Yep, uh, I feel like that's pretty fair. You can't know because you can't say, is it the Wario game on Wii? <laughs> like that you, wouldn't be. There's a, only one. That's the only one there is. There's no mistaking. Like the point of oral language is like communicating an idea from my head to yours. And you know what the game is. If I've done that. We, what if I think we did it? <laughs> I think we did that out of out of our, uh, respect for the audience, because nobody wanted the three minutes more of Mind Palace <laughs> that I would have had to go into that. I was very, very on the edge of, but couldn't have gotten to. What if it was God of War on PS4, but you couldn't remember the name? So you said, "Is it is it the game with Kratos on PS4?" Fine. That would that be acceptable? Yeah. Or like, no, I, or think it's we, like okay. I think we've lost for that reason before. Or if it's like the second, like oh, it's the second Castlevania game. Like I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, especially when you get into the the granular titling. At that okay. Point. The problem gonna... is that Justin was picturing a different game, that's, so that's then we, good... that, that throws off our consensus. <laughs> right, well, let's not bring up my... facts that deter that's... from our win. <laughs> that's actually a very good point. Where I literally was picturing a game that came yeah. out <laughs> like five years earlier. <laughs> I have fond memories of Wario World on the GameCube because I played that at my very first E3, mm. and that game that game's not very good, not very memorable. But like eighteen year old me was like, I'm playing a video game before it comes out. Yeah, this is amazing. Sure. There's a developer oh, next cool. to me who made it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well we will we'll run that one up to the commission, which are the viewers and the listeners. So let us know in the comments. Uh, let us know in the Facebook group if, if you guys think that was a legitimate win or not. Uh, but thank you for the suggestion, Jabari from Minneapolis. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Who knows? Maybe next week we'll be talking about the price and release date for PlayStation 5. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> be keeping that snow question. I'll tell you that much. Snow question is a good one. Yeah. Um, I actually never played that game, so I had to look up if there was, if there was a snow level in it. We saw that. We, we waited. Yeah, I know. That's. I'm <laughs> just saying that's why I had to look it up. You I, I played it. I do it, Damon. <laughs> yeah. We wait for you. Do you want me to just say, I don't know? Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Justin. Sometimes thank you, Tina. You thank you, Sam. Thank you to Borba working from behind the scenes. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games Scoop, and we're out. Bye.